I wanted to talk tonight about a very happy subject, joy. Um, James Barris, who is a very respected Buddhist teacher in the East Bay, suggests that that on the spiritual path, joy often gets neglected. And he says, especially on the Buddhist spiritual path, because we focus so much on the Four Noble Truths and the idea of suffering. And that often gets misunderstood, of course. But he says that Thich Nhat Hanh suggests there's more than suffering. <laughs> there's more to this path than suffering. And in fact, the Dalai Lama, in his book, The Art of Happiness, says that the goal of life is to be happy. Um, that's pretty simple, isn't it? And kind of surprising. We could make all these other huge goals, but he says, to be happy. So I happen to be taking right now an online course from James on joy. And it's called Awakening to Joy, or Opening to Joy. And I want to share with you some of what I'm learning and experiencing. And first of all, I think that the title is very significant. Opening to Joy, or Awakening to Joy. That suggests that joy is already there, which in fact it is. And that there are obscurations, there are um, things, defilements that cover the joy and keep us from experiencing it. And that our job then is to recognize, see, become aware of those hindrances, those things that get in the way of our natural experience and expression of joy. I think that's such, such a delightful way of seeing it, right? That um, we can cultivate it, that's another aspect, but that really it is part of our natural state, our Buddha nature. Our Buddha nature is joyful. And all the conditioning, all life's experiences, the ups, the downs, etc., have obliterated our direct experience often of joy. So we can set the intention to be happy or to be joyful or to recognize the true nature of joy, that joy is a part of our true nature. Ayakema, who has died but was a very respected uh, nun says the holy life cannot work without joy it's as if it were yeast in bread without joy the holy life cannot rise to its full height so enjoy every moment especially the effort Jack Cornfield talks about a path with heart in fact, he's written a book with that title. And he suggests that we must choose a path with heart. Because if we don't, if the path we follow doesn't have heart, we probably won't stay with it. 
it has to really touch us. It has to bring joy to our life. Or it'll be meaningless. It'll be drudgery. It'll be rote. And we probably won't stay with it. So it's important to find that path that for us has heart, that for us brings joy to our life, or allows the natural joy to unfold, to show itself, to be there. So there are many different words that are used in place of joy. Um, Happiness is one, peace, contentment, acceptance. Maybe we could say acceptance leads to joy, reveals joy. There's some discriminations, some differences. Some teachers say that happiness is always for something or about something. We're happy that something happened or we're happy to get something or we're happy because of something. And of course, that's a limited state. That joy comes from that deep place within, that it's not related to anything or good circumstances or pleasurable experiences, that it just is there. Some of us maybe don't experience, you know, this kind of joy. It may be a softer um, sense, more like peace or contentment. And then I've heard that argued too, that no, then you need to go beyond that. That that's not enough. Just peace and contentment is not enough. There's joy beyond that. Then I've heard other teachers say, well, beyond joy is. (laughs) So maybe it's up to each one of us to see what that experience is. So it is our natural state, and we can uncover it. And in the meantime, we can also cultivate it. There are some things we can do to uh, bring more joy into our lives, to arouse uh, the joy that is there. And so I want to speak about a few of those things. And the first is setting the intention to be joyful or to be happy. Um, There's a quote that I read by Leo Tolstoy that says, if you wish to be happy, be. And it's that idea. A book that James has suggested for us to read during this course is How We Choose to Be Happy. It's by Rick Foster and Greg Hicks. And of course, that implies that that it is a choice, that on some level we have a choice of whether to be happy or not. I want to make a distinction that that doesn't mean that we always have a choice about what's going to happen in our lives. As we all know, we don't. A lot of life happens. What we have a choice about is our response. How we can respond to things. And we can choose to respond in ways that cultivate the joy rather than cultivating 
anger or uh, unhappiness or frustration or etc etc so the first is setting the intention just deciding I want to live a happy life despite you know whatever happens out here I want to be happy and we all know what happens when we set an intention a really strong intention right the universe <laughs> supports it things come together and guess what it begins to happen so of course we know in our Buddhist practice that intention is very very important more important than what actually we do or what actually happens so here it is again setting the intention inclining the mind I like that term inclining the mind which suggests that we incline the mind towards happiness towards joy rather than towards ain't it awful or some equivalent now that may not come naturally to a lot of us I have what's called an aversive personality the personality that goes for what's missing what's not right what's not here and it's a very strong tendency so I have to work to incline the mind towards joy towards happiness and one of the ways that I find really effective to do that is a gratitude practice some of you that have heard me before may have heard me suggest that I recognized a long time ago what was missing in my practice was gratitude a lot of other things were there but gratitude wasn't so present and it wasn't that I didn't experience gratitude or that I didn't know gratitude it was that I forgot to be aware of it when I was aware of it there were many things that I could be grateful for gratitude was right there it was very strong but I found that I had to find a way to remind myself because of the habit of my mind to go to what was missing I didn't naturally remember to uh, experience or uh, appreciate perhaps uh, the things in my life that were going well that really were positive so one of the suggestions James has made to us is that we keep a journal and keep a daily practice of gratitude and I have found that incredibly powerful now I have to say I don't do it daily <laughs> I did for a while and then my life got quite busy and I don't but that journal sits right by my bed and even if I don't write in it every night I see the journal and that's a reminder and I'm much more aware of gratitude in my life than I ever have been before and the effect of it is that the mind doesn't go so much to what's missing because it's busy realizing what is there what is present what is uh, is there to be grateful for so it's almost like in my experience the two can't coexist if I'm really cultivating gratitude and remembering to be grateful and appreciative of what is in my life I can't 
the mind doesn't have time or doesn't go to what's missing. So when I don't go to what's missing, when I stay with what is present, what is already wonderful, there's happiness, there's joy. It's amazing. It's, it's really wonderful. So I highly recommend, um, you know, it can take a few seconds, a minute. When I stop and think, in fact, let's do it. <laughs> if you'd be willing, close your eyes for one minute. Allow yourself to remember all the things in your life right now that you're grateful for. What did you find? Anybody? Lots. I'm sorry? Lots. Lots. Yeah. It's right there, isn't it? When we stop and just pay attention or incline the mind towards what is already wonderful, what is already what we're grateful for, what we're already appreciative of. There's lots, isn't there? So I encourage you to, to practice that. Try that. You can do it, you know, like every evening or just periodically throughout the day. Take a moment. Just be aware of what you're grateful for. And what I found, as I'm sure you did too, is it's the very simple things. The very... Um, immediate things. You know, my grandson, my dog, my daughter, <laughs> my cat. These are the things that immediately come up when I start to write. Yes? One thing that, that I always come back to, and it's okay. I try to do it at the beginning of the city because it's great for building attitude, state of mind. But one thing that I always come back to is just the fact that there is a breath out there that you take. Mm. It's the most amazing Yes, yes. Thank you. It's right there, and we do just take it for granted, don't we? Uh 
appreciation can be another word for gratitude. And I read that it's really a uh, refinement of mindfulness. I like that. A refinement of mindfulness. So I take that to mean when we're really mindful, when we really pay attention, appreciation is naturally there. Whether it's for the breath or for something we've done or for relatives or whatever, for a beautiful day, for a beautiful flower. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, a million dollars or something fancy or wonderful. We can be grateful for the very, very simple things of life. And in fact, I find that that brings much more pleasure than big fancy things. So then also noticing those joyful or happy times states of mind, if you will. Because so often we experience joy, but if we don't really flag it, if we don't really note that we have felt it, it can go by and get lost. And we don't remember. We forget that there have been these joyful moments, especially when there's sadness or anger or a more difficult emotion. So recognizing This is skillful means, recognizing when joyful states of mind are present, or happiness, or peace, or contentment. Another way of cultivating joy that might seem a bit paradoxical is opening to our suffering. This is an important practice also really allowing ourselves to experience the suffering, the pain, the difficulty, whatever it is in our life. Um, I'm sure you all know as well as I do, there's such a tendency to turn away from it. And that creates resistance and constriction, polarization, actually turning to the suffering seeing it clearly, facing it square on, facing the tiger, we say, with an open heart, you know, sort of embracing it all, allows us to move through that suffering or that pain and not get stuck, not let it get stuck within us. It does seem kind of paradoxical. It does sometimes seem... um, anti-intuitive, that we want to turn away, but in truth, I I just had the memory, as I said that, of like putting on your brakes on ice, (laughs) and when you start to slide, um, it seems counterintuitive, but you turn into the slide, right, rather than going with it. It's kind of the same thing. Turning in to the suffering, or the pain, or the difficulty, facing it, and then it tends to dissipate, and we can move through it. And what we find when we do that is joy on the other side, or joy within it. I find more and more as I open to the pain, open to the suffering, there is joy actually intermingled. It's a poignancy, I call it. 
It's not either one or the other. It's really a mix. Mayumi Oda says, we must have the courage to face whatever is hiding the joy. When we face our feelings without suppressing or expressing them, the energy is transformed and we experience that joy within. If you feel the real joy and the real spirit within you, they come out naturally. If you really go deep inside, everything is there. You feel, and if you want it to come out, it will come out. So, opening ourselves to fully experience the suffering that is there leads us then to joy. So, another piece to cultivating joy is generosity, the practice of generosity, the practice of giving. The Buddha is reported to have said that if you knew or if you understood the joy of giving, you wouldn't let one meal go by without sharing. And probably each of us has had the experience of the joy of generosity, the joy that comes from just spontaneously giving. And certainly we've had plenty of opportunity over the last 10 months, haven't we, to express our generosity. Somewhat overwhelming in some ways. At least I have experienced that. But also an opportunity to, to practice generosity. I find that generosity and gratitude very much go hand in hand. The more generous I am, um, the more I experience gratitude. And the more I experience gratitude, the more it allows me to be generous. And again, we can both cultivate generosity and allow its natural arising. Another piece is integrity. Living a life of truthfulness, a life of sila or morality, leads to the bliss of blamelessness. That's quite a phrase, isn't it? The bliss of blamelessness. If we lead a moral life, then there's nothing to worry about, is there? There's no blame. That doesn't mean everything will always be rosy and wonderful, but we don't have to worry about that little lie we told or that little thievery we did, or the sexual indiscretion, or whatever. We can sleep well at night. So cultivating integrity, um, cultivating truthfulness, truthfulness with the outside world, truthfulness within ourselves, allowing ourselves to tell ourselves the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, to really be honest with ourselves. Although that may be difficult at times, does ultimately lead to that joy within. Letting go. Letting go leads to joy. 
and letting go can happen in so many ways or can we can let go of so many things one of course is letting go of our attachments and in order to do that we have to see them we have to see what we are attached to we all have attachments of course and we all know that the Buddha taught that it's those attachments that leads to our suffering so letting go of those attachments leads to our freedom or to our joy not always so easy of course but something to really pay attention to and those attachments can be quite obvious like we're attached to our partner or we're attached to our house or something like that or they can be a little more subtle like we're attached to who we think we are that's perhaps the most difficult one to let go of letting go of who we think this person personality is ultimately of course letting go of everything letting go of the stories that we tell ourselves we're probably all familiar or at least if we think about it we're familiar with the story that we tell ourselves about who we are about what life is or what life should be how it should be right I catch myself all the time especially as I'm watching the news the mind is just going with you know how it should be isn't that awful and how it really should be and sometimes it goes on for days before I catch myself oh my gosh <laughs> you know, I'm not just listening to the news there's this whole story that's going right along with it ain't it awful and how it ought to be different and if only so-and-so were different or if only we were different or whatever um, it's quite entrapping I find so recognizing those stories that we tell ourselves over and over and over about ourselves and others and life and letting go that sigh of relief as we let go of those limiting stories because of course they always are right if they're not limiting they're probably not stories if they're not limiting then we're just being we're just living and that's not a story that's just being but if we're telling ourselves a story uh, about anything then that's limiting so seeing that seeing those stories clearly and letting them go we can let go of things in our life possessions I can't help but notice as I walk around how how many more things everybody has than we used to for one thing how many people don't ever use their garage because their garage is full of stuff and so the cars are parked outside you know in the driveway uh, along the street because the the garages whether they're single or double car garages are full of stuff or people have storage units now you know where the overflow <laughs> goes we all have so much stuff so much more than we need and I find and probably you do too that it's cumbersome it's really a burden 
And I know some people get to the point they have so much, they're totally overwhelmed and can't deal with it. I have a neighbor who's that way. I have a mother who's that way. It's, it's astounding, really. And I can see that, that it's beyond their ability right now. You know, there's so much stuff. And they have such an inability to let go that, that it's, they're caught, they're trapped. You know? so, so we can <laughs> begin now letting go of some of that stuff. Seeing how simplifying our lives in terms of things really makes life so much more pleasant, allows so much more space and freedom and enjoyment. For some of us, it's letting go of the busyness of our lives. We get so busy. In, in this world right now, there, and in this area, there is so much to do, right? So many choices we have, whether it's spiritual or entertainment or work or, I mean, it, it just goes on and on. And you may find, as, as I do, that I really have to limit I, I look through the eye in the Mercury every Friday <laughs> to see what the upcoming week's entertainment is. And I find sometimes it's just overwhelming. There's this performance and there's that demonstration and there's, you know, this play and that ballet and that. And sometimes I stop and I have to laugh at myself. I could be doing three things a day for the entire week or spiritual experiences. You know, oh, that would be interesting to learn. Oh, I'd like to sit with that group. Oh, I'd like to see that teacher. There's just an enormous number of choices. And many times we get caught up in thinking we have to do it all or we have to do so much when really we can make few choices and let it be more meaningful or do nothing. Take a walk. Sit on our patios. Sometimes when I find myself getting caught up, that's what I do. I just drop it all and go sit on my patio, have a cup of tea. It's so pleasurable. And I'm much more relaxed, and there is much more happiness and joy. So there's much we can let go of. And you can look in your life and see where can you let go. And allow yourself that sigh, that universal sound of letting go. Another piece is sharing our gifts. Sharing what we have to offer to the world. And we all, every single one of us, without exception, has gifts. We may or may not be aware of them. We may or may not be sharing them, but we have them. And it's our job to become aware of them. And then to share them with the world. Whether we uh, are singers or dancers or artists or um, musicians or whatever, whether, whether we just have um, a very giving personality 
or a very kind personality, or we just um, like greeting people as we walk down the street. Whatever it is, we all have something that we can offer. And sharing that gift brings great joy. Joy not only to us, but to those we meet, to those with whom we share our gifts. And that's one that often gets neglected. I think it's important that we remind ourselves and not let that get neglected. Then acceptance. I find this very, very important. Acceptance of ourselves just as we are. We really can't hear that enough, I think. And at the same time, accepting life just as it is. Accepting life on its terms. Some of you may be familiar with Tara Brock's book, Radical Acceptance. This is what she talks about. I find it a wonderful, a wonderful book. Learning to accept ourselves and life just as it is. Ram Dass says, the world is perfect, including our efforts to change it. I think that's a radical statement of acceptance, that we accept everything, really, just as it is. And that includes whatever work we're doing to change things, change ourselves or, or change other things. Again, it may seem like a paradox. It, it may even seem like an oxymoron. But I find... When I read that, the first time I ever read that, years ago, I knew instantly that was, that was right. That was it. It was that deep knowing from inside. And it's something I have to remind myself over and over, that things are as they are, and that that is perfection. So the radical acceptance of ourselves as we are and of life as it is, can lead us to great joy. Joyful acceptance. This is from Charlotte Joko Beck, uh, a respected Zen teacher. A life of joy is not in seeking happiness, but in experiencing and simply being the circumstances of our life as they are. Simply being who we are. Joy is one of the seven factors of awakening. And I think it's important to recognize that it is one of the factors of awakening. It is that important. It is that central to our practice. If our practice does not lead to joy, it probably isn't the right practice for us. Joy partly lets us know we're on the right road. We're doing things right. 
Ajahn Sumedho, who was, is uh, one of the most, uh, well, is Ajahn Chah's um, most respected Western disciple, says, People who can't see the goodness and beauty of the good or the true are really bitter and mean. They live in an ugly realm where there is no rejoicing in beauty and goodness and truth. Once you have true insight, then you can enjoy these things. Truth, beauty, and goodness delight us. In them we find joy. Thich Nhat Hanh also says that joy comes from touching things that are beautiful, both within and without. So finding that beauty within, touching that beauty without, leads to joy. And that's important for us to recognize. Finding the beauty, the beauty in life, the beauty within us, the beauty without leads to joy. And then joy is sympathetic joy is the third of the four Brahma Viharas. You remember the Brahma Viharas are metta or loving kindness, karuna or compassion, mudita or sympathetic joy, and karuna or equanimity. So mudita or sympathetic joy for me has a little different, a lot different (laughs) flavor from just joy. And I'm finding that more and more um, in the literature, mudita gets translated as just joy or gets talked about as just joy. And I find that a loss because I think there's something very unique and very special and very important about sympathetic joy. Sympathetic joy is not just experiencing our own joy, but experiencing happiness, delight, joy in the happiness of other people. And I think that's not always easy. Certainly it hasn't been for me. And that usually, I can use that as a mirror because it usually reflects some sense of lack or some sense of inadequacy or not having that's within me when I find it difficult to experience happiness or pleasure in the happiness of someone else. So I find that quite a profound practice to catch myself when I don't experience it and see if I can allow that, see if I can allow myself to really be joyful, happy, at someone else's happiness. And it's said that we should do that without judging why someone else is happy. It's not for us to judge what makes someone else happy, but simply to rejoice in their happiness. Of course, because that uncovers for us any sense of lack, or any sense of something missing or something not being okay, then when we're able to let go of that and experience joy in others' joy, then we experience more joy ourselves. 
And of course, it's a gift to the other person. When we can be truly happy for somebody else's happiness, that's really a wonderful gift, and they get it. Maybe you've had that experience of somebody being truly happy for your happiness and having nothing to do with themselves, you know, just they're out of it. It's just being happy for you. That's really a wonderful gift, isn't it? So just a couple of other things that Jack and Joseph talk about in their book, Seeking the Heart of Wisdom, that to cultivate joy, we need sort of a light-hearted approach to life. Not taking things too terribly seriously. Not taking ourselves so seriously, but kind of lightening up. You know, that doesn't mean that we don't care or, um, you know, that we are indifferent to things. Not at all. But we can all at times lighten up. And that, that leads to great happiness. Not, not being so serious about every single thing, including ourselves. Not taking ourselves so seriously. They suggest that true joy or happiness is different from just the satisfaction of having a desire met. There, there may be a momentary pleasure, you know, there may be a sense of happiness when we have a desire and it gets met. But that's not what we're talking about when we talk about this deeper sense of joy. Uh, joy comes from the unification of mind, body, and spirit. When we see ourselves wholly and not as separate pieces. And there's a quality of an openness of heart, an open heart, along with the light-heartedness. An open heart cultivates and leads to joy. So these are some things we can keep in mind. Uh, it's quarter of, but are there comments or questions or sharings? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciate the, the, the really you're talking about really looking at all these different states of happiness and joy, and really really knowing them and embracing them and, know, and, and being able to tell the difference. Because some ways we turn away so much that we don't really know what's there. So it's like, oh, I know that. That's the kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you can be more aware of them, yeah. right, of your experience of them. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of having a little bit of confidence and gratitude is like, and especially lately, the way the world is going, I, you know, how can you really accept the world as it is when the rest of the world is being run by people who don't It can be a challenge. The first thing to say is that acceptance does not mean condoning. When we accept the world as it is, 
Um, and I, you know, I have to tell you, I struggle with it also. But when we do, then we aren't resisting. That's really what it means, that we don't resist. That we don't play the ain't it awful game. But that <clears throat> we accept this is how it is. And then out of that space, we act. And it is a very different space from um, resisting or believing that we know how things should be and they shouldn't be the way they are. You know, there's a saying, you fight with life, you lose. (laughs) Life is as it is. And if we want it any other way, we're going to be unhappy. We get to work with life the way it is. And of course, that can be very challenging. But the important thing to remember is that accepting it doesn't mean condoning. So we accept that very, very, we might say horrible or painful things happen. And then we work with them. But we're not fighting them. We're not struggling. We're not resisting against them. And then that makes our work, it has a different energy, a different feel than, than when you know we're blaming or making somebody wrong or some country <laughs> wrong. Does that speak to that? Yeah. Yeah. can be the same with ourselves, you know, accepting ourselves. It really is radical to accept ourselves just as we are. That doesn't mean that if we have done something to hurt somebody that we say, oh, that's okay. I accept myself just as I am. That's, that's a misunderstanding of acceptance. But it also doesn't mean that we beat ourselves up. It's more matter-of-fact. It's more like recognizing that wasn't so skillful. That really hurt. You know, I'm, I'm very aware of that. And I'm going to do my best not to do that again. That's very different from, you know, you stupid so-and-so. You always do that. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Many people do a lot of the time, right, to themselves. And that, that's not helpful. That's not skillful. Yeah. So you touched on letting go of everything that you're attached to. Yeah. But you also, uh, you have said about even the people and things you're close to, but how do you maintain, you know, how do you become, let go of that, but yet be close to these people that you're close to? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a a wonderful question. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I can tell you how to do it. (laughs) Yeah, what I can tell you is it is possible. It is possible to love very greatly, very deeply, without clinging. I won't say without being attached. (laughs) 
Yes, yes. And clinging and attachment can be the same. But um, there is a quality of attachment that, of course, is part of human relationships, you know. But we can be attached to someone in a loving way without holding on so tightly. So in a relationship, it might be, you know, whether it's a spouse or a child or... um, We can love very deeply, but we allow them to be who they are. And probably you can as well as I. I can look back at relationships and see how how tightly I was clinging. (laughs) I had occasion several months ago to read some old letters, you know, from boyfriends many, many years ago. And one was was telling me something like that. I can't remember the wording now, but it was something, something like that. And boy, I really got it. I didn't at the time, of course, but looking back, I thought, you know, you are absolutely right. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I'm sure I fought him tooth and nail at the time, but <laughs> yeah. So loving, I, I have practiced it with my daughter, actually. Um, loving very very deeply but letting go you know she is her person she is who she is and she has her life and her karma we might say or whatever and um, and it's a practice you know I didn't do that overnight (laughs) it's been over many years so seeing our attachments seeing our clinging where we're holding too tightly of course is the first step and then I have always found in my practice that the more I see, the more I see, the more it sort of relaxes on its own. Its own. I, I let go. One day I realize, oh, oh, I'm not, I don't have such expectations of her anymore. Oh, it's okay, she can be who she is. I actually left that out. I, <laughs> I gave this talk in San Jose last night and I said those very words. <laughs> yes, I think we have to be discerning. Exactly. Mm-hmm. As with everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Compassion and wisdom. <laughs> Shall we, we have about four minutes. Shall we sit quietly for those four minutes?
from the Dhammapada. Live in joy, in love, even among those who hate. Live in joy, in health, even among the afflicted. Live in joy, in peace, even among the troubled. Look within, be still, free from fear and attachment. Know the sweet joy of the way. So we end tonight with dedicating any merit that we may have accrued through our practice together this evening for the benefit of all beings, that all beings may be happy, may experience peace and freedom and no joy. Have a safe drive home.